Well, good morning and welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I am one of the co-lead pastors here. And I just want to say we are delighted, honored, just really happy that you are choosing to participate with us as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ this Easter Sunday. Uh, We have a tradition here. Um, it's, it's a little different in, in under the COVID restrictions, but we're going to do it anyways. And basically the way it's going to work is I am going to say he is risen. You are going to say he is risen indeed. We'll do that three times. And at the end, we'll all shout hallelujah together. So here we go. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Excellent. Let's pray. Dear God, I give you great thanks that on this day we get to celebrate what hopefully we get to live out every other day. God, I pray this morning that you would move, Holy Spirit, that you would come and be present in our hearts, minds, bodies, spaces, in everything. Um, That we would leave this day not being the same as we were when we entered it. Help us to become more like you in all we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are, as I mentioned, celebrating Easter today. And um, one of my favorite uh, people, a sociologist named uh, Christina Cleveland, uh, said this about Easter. She said, "This, this Sunday, Christ followers around the world will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, which marks the inauguration of a new reality. Christ followers around the world, not all gathered in the same place, around the world. And so at least today we can take comfort in knowing, even though we cannot be together in some of the ways we would like to be, Christ followers celebrating this around the world is something that has been going on for a long time. And also the idea of the inauguration of a new reality. I, I would normally say I don't know about you, but I feel like I do know about you in this, and I know about me in this, that I am ready for a new reality. And so let's explore today what that is going to be like. Uh, each year, Rich and I uh, alternate uh, kind of who preaches on Easter Sunday and who preaches on the last Sunday of Advent. And so we alternate, and then every year we switch that. And when I'm preparing to do those kind of annual uh, or, or repeating sort of church calendar events, I often look back at the sermons that Rich and I, or the, the content that Rich and I have uh, came up with in the years before. And sometimes there are things that can be repeated year after year after year, and they're just true. And then there are other things that they were really specific in that moment, but, but they don't mean the same thing the next year. And so they change. But the great thing about what we celebrate today with Easter is that Jesus is alive and can be in all the moments for each person and for all of humanity. And one of the things that has happened in the midst of the pandemic is a sort of disorientation specifically in terms of time. And for me, it's really expressed itself in that I often have to work a little bit harder to figure out what day it is and sometimes even what month. But I want to let you know That there has been, even in the midst of that sort of lostness in terms of time, there has been change that has happened. Some has been easy, some has been hard. 
our world and our nation are hurting and continuing to deal with increasingly prevalent expressions of violence, discrimination based on race, gender, wealth, and more. And we've just been through an election that regardless of what side you were on, it is revealed that our country is divided. And in some ways, we were learning that what it means to be an American citizen, and even I think a global citizen, some of those, some of those things that take place in that are really strained, and some of them don't seem to be holding together at all. But during all that, many churches, including One Life, despite the challenges of not being able to meet in person to worship, have continued to find ways to serve and care for people, to love God and love our neighbors. We also have people getting vaccinated. These are good changes. And many of us have worked really hard to care for others in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our city, by prescribing and following the guidelines and mandates in order to minimize the impact of the COVID-19 virus and its new variants in our world. And we have continued to gather even in this scattered way. I want you to look at this picture from last Easter. Oh, we were adorable, right? Look at, we got the Brian down in the corner and the slides up there. When I went back to look at this, I hardly even remembered it. It seems so distant. One thing I also remember saying that morning was thank God we won't have to do this next Easter. And yet here we are. What a weird space and a weird time we were in. And we are in. But we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus in that space. And if you weren't convinced about the weirdness of the time we're in, I just want to show you a couple of other images that I think are going to help make make you get it. Uh, Pepsi and Peeps have combined uh, to produce some Peeps-flavored Pepsi. Uh, I don't know what to call this one, but the yellow one. And this is the blue one. This is the pink one. As far as I know, they're all marshmallow flavor. But nobody really knows what flavor peeps are anyway. So, and again, here we are. But this morning, though, I don't want to talk a ton about peeps. Um, What I do want to do is try to observe what Jesus has done in his resurrection and then begin to explore what that means in our lives in this moment and in these days ahead. And first, just really quickly, so what we do celebrate when we're talking about this, is we're we're coming off of two days ago, we remembered on Good Friday, Jesus' execution by crucifixion, where they impale someone on a cross-like structure through their wrists and through their feet, and then display them for other people to observe as they die. Jesus was also beaten severely, publicly mocked and scorned, and he succumbed fairly quickly and was taken down and placed in a tomb with a big stone over the entrance to it. That was on Friday. In scripture, two days later, on Sunday, some of his followers went to the place where Jesus was buried, and Jesus was no longer there, and the stone had been rolled away, so the tomb was open. And so what we celebrate is that moment, 
And it's quite mind-bending to even think about just that because it goes against so much that we observe and experience. People who die do not come back. And yet the story would indicate that it happened with Jesus. Now what I want to do this morning is look at a couple uh, pieces of scripture and unpack this a little more and again see what it means for each of us individually and then collectively as human beings and as part of all of creation. And we're going to be reading from the Gospel of John and the verses are going to be up on the screen. You can also access uh, the verses through our Bible tab on our online platform. Um, or if you have your own Bible, you can open up uh, to John 20. We're going to be reading um, from there. Um, and uh, before we get to that though, I want to just set the stage a little bit. So just a real brief sort of summation of chapter 19. Um, and it's really an interesting transition because chapter 19, right, preceding the resurrection, it's the crucifixion of Jesus. There are large crowds of people. There are tons of interactions to keep track of. Soldiers interacting with Jesus. Disciples interacting with Jesus. Pilate, this guy named Joseph. And there's lots of business and details to be taken care of. They have to get Jesus's body. They have to prepare it for burial. They're trying to get it to the tomb. There's people mocking Jesus. The disciples are watching from a distance. And there is just this busyness and a lot of activity and then this huge, devastating event in the death and burial of Jesus. And so we're coming out of that. And, and as we enter into chapter uh, 20, I want to ask you, there's a fourth option in how to engage with this this morning, right? I want you to, there's another option of just sitting and listening. We've been trying to experiment with this a little bit. Um, recently. And, and what it entails is allowing you to sort of tap into and engage your imagination and really explore this moment. Like, what does it feel like to be in this space? And, and literally, not just what does it feel like internally, but what does it feel like physically? Where are you standing or are you sitting? Who is with you there? What do they look like? What are the smells? What's the mood and the atmosphere? What's the weather like? Right? All these things, and those things will really help inform how this story uh, is, is communicated to you. So, this is John 20. Uh, we're going to read the whole thing. So, uh, follow along, or just sit and listen and allow your imagination to, to go wild. Uh, here we go. Early, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. But well, then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus 
Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And so Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Then a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. The mood here, to me, feels very different than what we would have encountered in chapter 19. All the busyness, the crowds, the soldiers, this huge event seems smaller, quieter in a sense, but yet full. Like the feeling of when you're walking late at night but the moon's out and it's bright and you just have a sense of the largeness and the bigness of that moment and yet it's quiet. Instead of noise and busyness full of details and chaos, there's a handful of people in a garden in the morning in a group hiding in a house. But it's not just the setting that is different. Scholar N.T. Wright notices that in the four different accounts of the life of Jesus, all the chapters that precede the resurrection, resurrection chapters, so all the crucifixion chapters, have a lot of Old Testament references. So not just the content seems familiar or or reminds people, but actually has references back to passages in the Old Testament. 
But he notes that when we get to the chapters about the resurrection, there are few or none of those. And so we come into this space that artistically and in sort of word crafting not only feels different, but it's just this story that's being told. It's a moment that has occurred. There's no felt need to try to prove it with lots of proof texts or background information or lines and supporting articles. According to the gospel writers, the resurrection of Jesus simply happened. And their evidence to one another that it simply happened is that it simply happened. It's a moment that just gets to be. He is risen. And somehow, the stone was rolled away and he was gone. Notice it doesn't say that Jesus rolled the stone away. The resurrection is not something that Jesus performed, but something that happened to him. And it's important for us to note that because it means that as Jesus died on our behalf in our place, then was raised from the dead, that what he did was made a way for us to do the same. And so this is where we get all this talk about eternal life and the afterlife. But that's also where we make a mistake is we place a lot of emphasis on that when I believe with all my heart that the resurrection is just as much, if not more, of a right now, here in this space kind of thing. In Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, we read this. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Notice the person who wrote this, Paul, writing to this church in Ephesus says, I desire for you to know right now, in this moment, right where you're at, the strength, that power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I want that to be in your life, in the day-to-day, moment-to-moment, big things, small things, everything. But it's meant to be lived out right now. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian and pastor who is really well known for... um, not just for his theology, but is that his theology led him to a point where he felt the need to stand up against Nazi Germany and did so to uh, the end result being his own death. Um, But he said this about Easter. He said, if only a few people really believed that and acted it in their daily lives, a great deal would be changed. To live in the light of resurrection 
That is what Easter means. And if we look back at our story, even though it's smaller feeling, quieter in some senses, it still has movement, exploration, running, discovering, hiding, angels, Jesus showing up, eating with people, inviting people to touch his wounds, right? There's activity there. It's all also very present and tactile. So I believe that resurrection says that eternal life is not just for the future. It's for right now, but it's also very active and faithfully present. But one of the things we always ask here is, Okay, but what does that look like? How do we do this? What does it mean? In the past few weeks, Rich and I have both mentioned this uh, quote that we heard um, uh, from a woman named Gail Johnson who spoke at a pastor's gathering we were at. Um, and uh, she was talking about intimacy with Jesus. And she said that intimacy, intimacy with Jesus is the life of Christ released in you. And it was a fantastic uh, quote. But what I really liked too was when she talked about what that intimacy was like, what that, that, that release of the life of Christ in us was like. And, and I think as pastors and, and for a lot of us, we have this idea that, that that kind of release of the life of Jesus is only for when we've ascended to like a certain level of quiet times and time spent in the word and it happens every day and it's consistent and all this stuff. And, and all that stuff is wonderful. But the picture that she painted of intimacy with Jesus was simply being with Jesus. It wasn't based on making sure we have the, the steps right and, and we have the order of things right and our devotional time is this and that. It was simply acknowledging and walking with Jesus in all of our day-to-day stuff. The seemingly big and the seemingly small. And when I hear that, what I start to realize is that the, the story of the Gospels The stories about Jesus are stories about life and relationship. That God sees that humanity was trying to go about things without God. Trying to to go about things our own way. And what that has led to is murder, war, and anything that is life-taking or life-halting. But God didn't send us uh, an email or, or a flyer or didn't print a news article. God decided to come and have a face-to-face with humanity by becoming a human in Jesus Christ. But not a Superman kind of human. A full-on human being with all that that means, even dying. But Jesus did the one thing that humanity had not been able to do, and that was remain faithful to God throughout his life. And in doing this throughout his whole life, even unto his death, he secured a pathway for humanity to walk and then to flourish in love. To live and move and have our being in our creator whose very nature is love. 
And that this became fully realized in Jesus' resurrection from the dead. That he arose from the dead and then spent a little bit of time with his friends, caring for them, eating with them, and being with them before he left to take his place where he now intercedes for us. And that word means he stands in the gap. So he still cares for us in a living and active way. But there are some things that challenge this also. In the story we first looked at about uh, Jesus written by John, we encountered this large stone at the tomb and a locked door. These images remind us of what often separates us from the grace of the resurrection. And sometimes for that grace to find us, someone must roll away a stone that entombs us. And sometimes the resurrection must come and find us even through locked doors. In the story we looked at earlier, we read that Mary had gone to the tomb of Jesus. Another of the gospel writers named Mark gives us some additional details about that moment. And so in Mark 16, 1 through 3, we read this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? They asked the question that we often ask when we encounter an obstacle that we cannot move or don't know how to deal with. Who's going to help? Who can move this? In the case of these three women who were being faithfully present to their friend and teacher, Jesus, even in his death, the stone was already moved away. And there's no record of how it happened. We're just told it was. And again, scripture makes it clear that Jesus did not do it. God, the creator, our creator, Jesus' creator, raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus did not roll the stone away. And you may wonder again, what difference does it make? But I think it's quite significant. Because if Jesus could raise himself from the dead, then he would not have been fully human. There would have been no need for him to fully rely on God, the creator, the sustainer. So just like for us, something had to come and move that stone. And so for us, in order for resurrection to both enter into us and for us to abide in Jesus, to live in and to live out resurrection, something beyond us has to remove the huge and immovable rocks that are often between us and our creator. So who can roll back the stone? Perhaps that isn't a question we're particularly anxious about, but we should be. Jesus was entombed and helpless to raise himself up all the more for us. Like the women at the first Easter, we need to be concerned. Who will roll back the stone? We can't open our own tombs. Do you sense maybe that there's something that may be blocking you from living in and living out of the resurrection of Jesus? The ability to stand and have hope in the midst of hard times. The ability to love an enemy. The ability to no longer live under the systems of the world. The freedom to no longer view anyone or anything from a position of power. The ability to give up power and to not hang on to the things that would hold on to us and drag us down. 
And this is not just for what we might think of as the big moments. These are for when you're mad at someone close to you. Your family, friends, neighbors, and you feel something in you that wants to say or maybe even wants to act out something that will cause them pain. Resurrection. The reality that death has been beaten can be lived out in that moment and change not only the way you choose to express yourself, but internally choose uh, and change how you feel if we choose to allow it. But that's the other part that's so difficult and ties into the other image I want to focus on. We have one that's that large stone. But sometimes we hang on to the things that would keep us from the grace of the resurrection. And so now we come to the locked door. We hide in fear and shame. And humanity has been doing this with God since the beginning. Since we first stepped away and tried to live apart from God. The stories of people hiding from God, running from God, avoiding God, or just lying to God are not hard to find in the Bible. But in our story from earlier, we encountered some of Jesus' followers huddled in fear in a house behind locked doors. Afraid. But they had locked the door. And Jesus became faithfully present to them through that locked door and entered in and brought them peace, something their locked door did not provide them. And at times today, we still hide behind locked doors, both as a church and as individuals. We at times can be found huddled in fear, anxious about ourselves, distrustful and not at peace. We're worried about things like our rights, which Jesus gave up all of his in order to save people who were killing him. Or we're worried about keeping power, which we read in Philippians 2, 5 through 7, this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And all the other things that we would allow to hinder our flourishing in Jesus. <clears throat> this wouldn't be me giving an Easter sermon without a Frederick Buchner quote. So this is what we've got. So what do I believe actually happened that morning on the third day after he died? I can tell you this. That what I believe happened and what in faith and with great joy I proclaim is that he somehow got up with life in him again and the glory upon him. And I speak very plainfully here, very unfancifully. He got up. He said, don't be afraid. Rich, poor, young, old, child, sick, healthy, lost, found. Don't be afraid. He said, feed my sheep. Which is why, like the chief priests and the Pharisees, we try to make that tomb as secure as we can. Because this is what he always says. Feed my sheep, my lambs. And this is what we would make ourselves secure from. Knowing the terrible needs of the lambs and our abundance. Knowing our own terrible needs. We're afraid sometimes of what God might ask us to do. Right? We, we see someone who needs help. We know what it's going to cost to go help them. <clears throat> we shut some doors and we lock them. 
Moreover, in this year, given the extraordinary time when the coronavirus has our cities and communities locked down and we're inside our own homes, dealing with the various combinations of frustration, impatience, fear, panic, or boredom that assail us right there in a place where we may have believed we were safe. And right now we need a little something extra to experience the resurrection. A stone needs to be rolled away so that the resurrected life can come through our locked doors and breathe peace into us. At the end of the day, these two images, the stone that needs to be rolled away and the locked doors of our own fears contain within themselves perhaps the most consoling truth of all religion because they reveal this about God's grace. When we cannot help ourselves, we can still be helped. And when we are powerless to reach out, grace can still come through the walls of our resistance and breathe peace into us. We need to cling to this whenever we experience the irretrievable brokenness in our lives. When we feel helpless inside our wounds and fears, when we feel spiritually inept, and when we grieve over injustice in our world, over friends that are experiencing things, over other human beings just having to live in fear. The resurrected Christ can come through locked doors and roll back any stone that entombs us and the people we're concerned for, no matter how hopeless the task may seem. But also right now, I personally don't want to live in fear. I want to be wise, but I also want to embody one of my favorite song lyrics by a guy named Jason Herod from a song he wrote called The Siren Song, which is about him making choices and not giving in to the siren songs that try to lead him to places that he shouldn't be, even though some of them feel really good and might seem really good. But the lyric is this. He says, I want to sneak out. I want to peek out. I want to scratch and flare like a match in the face of pitch dark death. I want to stretch out. I want to reach out. I want to face the hurricane and match him breath for breath for breath. I don't want to be afraid. Theologian Esau Macaulay says this, and I think it, it, it sort of embodies what Jason Herod said. He said, Christians at their best are the fools who dare believe in God's power to call dead things to life. I feel like the call for us today on Easter is to be the best. Be at our best. To be the fools who dare believe in God's power to call dead things for life because it was for the sake of human beings to be able to flourish in good relationship with God that Jesus came and died and was resurrected. And so we celebrate a new abundance today for all people, an abundance of love. And the life we have in the resurrection of Jesus not only invites and sustains us in this abundance of love, but it empowers and sustains us to live out that love with everyone we encounter. Earlier I said I wanted a new reality. That's the new reality that my heart cries out for. The new reality that the resurrection of Jesus inaugurated and the new reality that I'm eager for the world to know.
I have a couple of questions that I want you to ponder as you go about your day and your week and as you continue to celebrate. Once we go through those, Brian's going to give you a moment of reflection with some music and then we'll close with a song and a benediction. I do want to remind you too that during this time, our prayer team is ready to pray with you for whatever you bring with you today. Uh, They would be happy and honored to be able to pray with you. So please uh, don't let that pass if that's something that you want to participate in. Here are the questions for today. Number one, do you sense anything that is a barrier that is too big for you to move or get rid of between you and flourishing in love and Jesus' resurrection? And if so, can you name it? Sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes we have a sense in us, yeah, there's something, but I don't know what it is, right? Take a moment and just explore. What is that? And, And do some internal exploration and try to figure that out. Um, next, are there actions you've been hesitant to take as a follower of Jesus because of a locked door of some kind, something you are afraid of? And if so, can you name that? Right? And so maybe there's something that, again, I mentioned earlier, maybe there's someone that you've been sensing God is calling you to, to go and minister, to care, and to love. But there's other people you know who are going to say, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. No, I don't, that person, this, that, and the other. And there's something in you that says, okay, closed door, locked. Right? Maybe there's some fear there. Maybe there's some theologies that you're wrestling with and, and going and ministering in this new way or something is, is questioning those. Right? And so there's fear. And so you just shut down and lock, lock those doors. Like what is it for you? It could be a lot of different things. And then third, This is when you got to really tap your imagination. But what would it look like for you to let go of all those things that you're holding on to in those situations and give them over to God? Right? And you might see this in, in a posture of holding your hands open and just in offering things to God. You might speak them out. You might write them down and, and burn them or write them down and throw them away. Right? What are, what are some ways you can not only think about it, but you can experience the giving over of those things to God? And then what does that do in your life? And, and just allow your imagination to kind of run with that. Um, I'm going to pray, and then uh, Brian's going to lead us in a time of reflection, and then a closing song and a benediction. Dear Jesus, I give you great thanks today that you remain faithful to your Creator. And in doing so, made a pathway for us to be able to enter in to a right, good relationship with our Creator. Jesus, we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live um, uh, under the systems of the world. You have came and upended all those things. And so Lord, I pray that as we come on our own and think about those things, I pray that we would not forget about the people around us and the people in our world who do live in fear. That we could go and be a light in this world. That we could be people who flip scripts around. That we could live differently so that others could experience that life also. Help us to be like you, Jesus. We thank you for your life and your death and your resurrection that we celebrate today. In your name, amen.